Thank you for joining us for Business Technology News, a weekly program focused on products and services that are changing the way business and consumers use technology. Articles are selected from Wired, CNET, Business Insider, Wall Street Journal, CNBC, Bloomberg, Forbes, New York Times, Washington Post, and many other publications. My name is Michael Amy. This article is posted to Fortune Magazine's blog data sheet by David Meyer. It was posted on February 23, 2023. Elon Musk says he'll make Twitter's algorithm open source next week. As my colleague Christian Hetzner notes in his write-up of the development, Musk promises a lot of things and often fails to deliver. But if the Poly CEO does follow through on this, it could be the most consequential decision of his Twitter tenure. There would be three major effects of open-sourcing Twitter's algorithm. The first would be political allowing outsiders to poke around the code should settle any questions about alleged ideological bias within the company's algorithm itself. That's not quite the same issue as the historical liberal bias that was supposedly exposed in the Twitter Files episode, in which Musk granted a few journalists access to Twitter's pre-Musk internal communications and let them craft a selective account of what went down in terms of human content moderation decisions. But with the algorithm, everyone would get equal access, so it could prove more genuinely illuminating. Secondly, if Musk really does mean open source in the traditional sense, Twitter's algorithm would become available for modification and redistribution by anyone. I still find it hard to believe he's preparing to let people basically copy Twitter, but let's see what the fine print says. Open source Twitter rival Mastodon must be watching carefully. The third effect would be the most far-reaching. The world would get to see what happens when big tech opens up one of its black boxes. This could go horribly wrong. It's possible that when shown how Twitter's systems make decisions, miscreants could swiftly learn how to game the system and inundate Twitter with even more spam and hate speech. That's certainly the kind of outcome big tech has over the years cited as the main reason for keeping its black boxes closed. However, as open source advocates have been arguing for just as long, open code can make for better safety because a host of outside experts get to pore over it and spot weaknesses that internal staffers missed. If it turns out that the benefits of opening up an algorithm like Twitter's outweigh the risks... There may be major implications for the future of artificial intelligence regulation. In Europe, an Artificial Intelligence Act is being considered that would ensure that, quote, high-risk AI systems shall be designed and developed in such a way to ensure that their operation is sufficiently transparent to enable users to interpret the system's output and use it appropriately, end quote. That would require a level of algorithmic transparency that big tech, for now, heavily resists. If Musk makes good on his promise, that could be the first sign of the dam breaking. Everyone should be watching to see what happens next. Again, the title of that, 
Opening Twitter's Algorithm. That's from the blog at Fortune Magazine titled Data Sheet by David Meyer. That was posted on February 23rd. This article is posted to Fortune Magazine's blog, Eye on AI by Jeremy Kahn. Title is Why Generative AI Isn't Ready for High Stakes. This was posted on February 24th, 2023. Hello and welcome to February's special edition of Eye on AI. Today I want to take a brief break from the chronicling of the generative AI craze and focus on a little-known company working with very different AI methodologies that may wind up having an outsized impact on sector critical to most every aspect of the modern economy, insurance. The company, Mind Foundry, is located just down the road from my house in Oxford, England. The company was co-founded by Oxford University computer scientists Stephen Roberts and Michael Osborne. Osborne is best known as the co-author with economist Carl Benedict Frey of a seminal 2013 study on the roles that might be most susceptible to automation in the near future. It specializes in applying machine learning in what it calls high-stakes situations, ones that are critical to operating equipment, like optimizing propulsion from a jet engine, or where a person's financial health, physical health, or even life may be on the line if the AI software gets it wrong. As a result, many of the machine learning techniques MindFoundry uses are not the deep learning systems that have helped to drive most of the decade's hype around AI. Instead, they are older but still very powerful statistical models that have the benefit of being far more transparent about how they work and why they provide the predictions or classifications they are making. One of the biggest problems with generative AI systems like ChatGPT is what researchers call hallucination. They make stuff up and yet express this erroneous information with great conviction. That's why they're absolutely not appropriate in high stakes, Brian Mullins, Mind Foundry's CEO, uh, tells me. There's too much potential for unforeseen failure modes. Mind Foundry's machine learning methods, in contrast, Roberts tells me, are quote unquote humble and honest. They understand when their predictions are less certain, and they can tell a user when they are straying into parts of data distribution where they are likely to be less reliable. MindFoundry has done a lot of work for government clients, including in the defense and security sector, as well as helping health systems allocate resources. But Mullins says the startup has increasingly found traction in the insurance sector, where underwriting models need to be both reliable and interpretable so that regulators can understand why they work and how they comply with rules meant to prevent companies from either unfairly discriminating against customers or taking on too much risk. Now the company teamed up with Japan-based Ahoy Nisei Dawa Insurance and its wholly-owned European subsidiary, Ahoy Nisei Dawa Europe, that is A-N-D hyphen E, 
which specializes in automotive insurance, to launch its first-of-a-kind lab in Oxford. The lab is dedicated to investigating how insurance can help address global issues from climate change to aging global populations and how machine learning can help insurance companies better understand and underwrite risk. Decisions that are being made now affect what happens in 10 to 100 years' time, Roberts tells me, and we need to work to understand what those possible futures might look like. As part of the new lab, ANDI and AND-E are making what they term a significant investment in mind foundry, but the companies declined to make that amount of that investment public. Roberts says... The new lab will pool expertise from throughout Oxford University, including faculty who specialize in energy and power systems engineering, economics, biology, and climate science, as well as computer science and robotics. He says there are about seven faculty members currently affiliated with the lab, but that Mind Foundry and ANDI intend to bring in more, including those from areas such as law and politics. At the lab, they will be joined by experts in insurance from ANDI and AND-E. We have people from Japan. We have people from the scientific side of Oxford there. We have people from our operations there. We have our data teams there, and we have security technicians inside. So it's a huge variety of people looking at all different streams of what insurance and risk management is all about. Michael Kainsbauer, A-N-D-E's group CEO, says. He says that among the new lab's priorities will be researching new insurance products that might follow an individual across different modes of transport. For instance, a commuter who uses a car-sharing program to take a car to the train station and then takes a train into the city followed by a shared bike or scooter that is rented by the minute. And hyphen E is also interested in looking at the sort of insurance that may be necessary if autonomous cars become ubiquitous, which Keynesbauer says will involve a switch from the industry looking primarily at individual liability, as it does currently with drivers, to a focus on the product liability of the car and its software, which would probably be insured across a fleet. The lab will also look at insurance that is increasingly based on telematics, that is data streamed directly from vehicles that can give insurers a more precise and accurate picture of driving behavior. In addition, it will examine the insurance of AI software itself. It will explore risks associated with climate change and ways to help reduce the carbon footprint of transport. And finally, it will look at health and wellness especially in light of aging populations in most developed countries. Keynesbauer says that his company's work with Mind Foundry has already led to improvements in customer retention, safer driving on the part of A&D-E customers, and better fraud detection. For instance, he says that with the help of Mind Foundry's models, AND-E has been able to take telematics data from a car and use that to create a score that a driver themselves can see on a mobile app that allows them to visualize how safely they are driving. Just seeing this score, Keynesbauer says, often prompts people to drive more safely.
Roberts says the same kinds of scoring might help people make better decisions in many other areas, too, such as combating climate change. This isn't about social manipulation, he says. This is actually about building a scientific chain of reasoning into everything that's done and empowering people. It's my utmost belief, optimistically, perhaps, that people want to do the right thing. They just don't necessarily have the information to help them make the right decision. And just by providing factual evidence-based information that's priced into actions that they take, people begin to make the right decisions. On that optimistic note, here's the rest of the week's news in AI. Too much science fiction. Clark's World, a prestigious literary magazine dedicated to science fiction, was forced to stop taking new submissions after its editor said the publication had received at least 500 stories in February alone that it determined had been written with the help of AI software, such as OpenAI's ChatGPT, according to an article in the Financial Times. Clark's World's editor, Neil Clark, said his publication's small staff could not weed through the volume of submissions and wanted to focus only on stories legitimately authored by people. In a blog post, Clark bemoaned the fact that this problem was only likely to get worse as AI technology improved and became harder to detect AI-written submissions using other AI detection software. NVIDIA AI in the cloud. The company whose graphics processing units are used for the majority of AI-related workloads and data centers worldwide will begin offering NVIDIA-branded AI services to customers, including a pre-trained AI software, as well as access to special supercomputing clusters used to train very large AI models. The Financial Times reported that these NVIDIA services are being offered through the cloud platform of major cloud service providers such as Microsoft and Google. But the move potentially puts NVIDIA in direct competition with those very same cloud service companies, which have been among the biggest purchasers of NVIDIA's chips up until now. Those cloud companies market their own AI services to customers, too, but NVIDIA may see the move as necessary to counter the fact that Google and other cloud providers are also producing their own AI-specific chips that are designed to eventually supplant NVIDIA's hardware. Google's claimed quantum computing breakthrough. One of the biggest impediments to using quantum computers for many applications is that the qubits, which are the information processing units within a quantum computer, can only remain in a quantum state for fractions of a second. And as the qubits fall out of a quantum state, they introduce errors into the calculation they are performing. These errors then have to be corrected with additional qubits in real time or after the fact with some other kind of software method. Google said in a study published in the scientific journal Nature this week that it had made a significant breakthrough by finding a way to spread the logical calculation over a larger number of physical qubits, so that even as some of the qubits fell out of a quantum state, the others were able to complete the task. This method still produced errors, and the more qubits used, the more errors, 
But for the first time, the Google scientists were able to show that errors increased at a lower rate than the rate at which they added qubits. This means that in some future system that is a large enough, Google's methods might be able to achieve relatively error-free calculations. Deep fakes make a deep run into politics. Graphica, a research firm that studies misinformation, spotted a slick video meant to mimic a newscast that used deep fake characters as the news presenters for something called Wolf News, being used in a Chinese propaganda campaign targeting English-speaking viewers, the New York Times has reported. The deep fake videos were distributed by social media accounts linked to Chinese propaganda campaigns, Grafica said. Uh, your reader speaking here, the spelling of Grafica is G-R-A-P-H-I-K-A. Back to the story. Which also said it believed that deep fake software produced by London AI company Synthesia, spelled S-Y-N-T-H-E-S-I-A, was used to create the deep fake avatars. Synthesia told the newspaper that if its software was used, it was in violation of its terms of service. This is believed to be the first case in which completely AI-generated avatars have been used in a real propaganda campaign, a prospect that has long alarmed security analysts. Again, the title of that, Why Generative AI Isn't Ready for High Stakes. It's posted to Eye on AI by Jeremy Kahn. Fortune Magazine's blog was posted on February 24th. This article is posted to Data Sheet by David Meyer. This is a blog Fortune Magazine has going on for technology issues. Title is Meta's Oversight Board Picks Up the Pace. This was posted on February 14, 2023. Meta's independent, albeit Meta-funded, oversight board has vowed to become a whole lot more active. The board exists to grapple with particularly troublesome content moderation decisions on Facebook and Instagram. It's been hearing appeals against initial moderation decisions for a couple of years now, but during that time, it's only made 186 recommendations to Meta, and the company has only agreed to reverse its original decision in 80 of those cases. The most famous example, probably Meta's conversion of its indefinite suspension of former President Donald Trump into a two-year ban that ended last month. What's more, the Oversight Board's activities have been somewhat opaque, as the panel published just 35 of its case decisions. To put these numbers into context, the board said in its latest quarterly transparency report, also published today, that Facebook and Instagram users had submitted a whopping 193,137 cases to it in the last quarter of 2022 alone. This morning, the board said it was amending its rules to allow expedited decisions that will mostly follow referrals from Meta itself and could be produced within just two days. In some cases, the outside limit is 30 days. That's only a third of the time limit granted to standard decisions. But then again, these fast-tracked cases won't allow input from the public. They will still be binding on the company. 
The Oversight Board will also start publishing summary decisions on cases referred by the public in which Meta decided to reverse its initial content moderation call. These decisions will include information about Meta's original error, which may be useful to researchers and civil society groups, the board said. The board also announced the addition of Kenji Yoshino, a New York University legal expert, to its ranks. It's unlikely that today's changes will dispel all the criticism of the oversight board set up. It still can't make policy recommendations that are binding on Meta, for one thing, but it should go some way toward addressing one of the big gripes, that its impact is severely limited by its tiny caseload. While the in-depth review of our standard decisions and policy advisory opinions will remain a key part of our work, we're also exploring new ways to increase our impact and improve how Meta treats people and communities around the world, the board said in its statement today. Increasing the number of decisions we produce and the speed at which we do so will let us tackle more of the big challenges of content moderation and respond more quickly in situations with urgent real-world consequences. What remains to be seen is how much this shift moves the needle unless the oversight board suddenly finds itself with a vast increase in resources, it still seems unlikely that regular Facebook or Instagram users will find it appreciably easier to successfully appeal against their content being taken down. Again, that's Meta's Oversight Board picks up the pace posted to data sheet by David Meyer in Fortune Magazine's blog. Here are a few brief items that are posted to Fortune Magazine's Datasheet blog with David Meyer on February 14th. This one's titled Parent Company Blues, Workplace Communication App Slack, which Salesforce acquired for $28 billion in 2020, is leaving its stunning downtown San Francisco office at the end of the month as part of Salesforce's cost-cutting efforts. Slack employees will be relocated to the nearby Salesforce Tower. And at LinkedIn, the social media platform that Microsoft picked up for $26 billion in 2016, there's bad news, too. Recruiting department staffers were laid off Monday. The Information, which is a publication, reported. Another item, Ford's new battery plant. Ford has shared plans for a new facility that could produce enough batteries for 400,000 EVs a year when it opens in 2026 near Marshall, Michigan. But the company will need help from the world's largest battery maker. China's CATL will provide the technology for lithium iron phosphate batteries. Given the current tensions between the United States and China, it's not surprising that news of the partnership has drawn criticism from some politicians. Another item, a new target for data brokers. A shift toward telehealth and therapy apps in recent years has created a market for American mental health data. A new report by Duke University's Sanford School of Public Policy explores the processes data brokers have used to sell and exchange this data for a mixture of prices. 
One broker charged $275 for 5,000 aggregated counts of mental health records, and other firms charged more than $75,000 or $100,000 a year for access to data that had information on people's mental health conditions. The author calls for some action on this, whether it's a comprehensive federal privacy law or an expansion of HIPAA's privacy protections and bans on selling this data on the open market. Another item, Amazon is taking a larger cut. Just five years ago, Amazon was pocketing 40% of sellers' revenue. But now, third-party merchants can expect to have Amazon take more than 50% of their revenue, according to a report by Marketplace Pulse. That's because sellers have to pay a 15% transaction fee, along with fees for storage, advertising, and promotions. Sellers shared their profits and losses with Marketplace Pulse, and a few reported that 60 or 70% of their revenue goes toward Amazon fees. Food for thought. Why have one job when you could have two? A January poll from Job Site Monster found 37% of respondents have more than one full-time job. Most of the people who responded to the survey said they had to add another job since their main one didn't pay enough to cover the bills. From the article, Additionally, almost half said they're worried their current job will lay them off, and they're seeking another as a backup plan. Thank you for joining us today for Business Technology News. My name is Michael Amy. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.